growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. You ought to know what the expectations from God are on your pastor or pastors. And if they are not meeting those those expectations that God has for them, then you know specifically how you can pray for them and perhaps approach them and, and challenge them if there's some area where they're falling down and, and dropping the ball. What is the role of a pastor of a church? Some people look at the pastor as an employee that works for the church and follows the will of the people. Some people look at the pastor as a CEO type running the operation from on top. But what does God say is the role of the pastor? A pastor doesn't have to shout all the time. A pastor doesn't have to act like he's mad at the world or mad at whoever. But he does have to take his calling seriously. This is a calling of God. And it cannot be treated casually or flippantly or anything else. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In our series, Building on the Basics, we saw in 1 Peter that the Apostle Peter said in chapter 4, verse 17, that it was time for judgment to begin with the household of God. The the most logical place to start is with the pastor or pastors of the church. It is in that context that chapter 5 opens with a look at the role and responsibility of the pastor or pastors of a local church. As you'll hear Pastor Clay say today, if a church is going to be biblical, if it is going to be what God intends it to be, then the judgment of the household of God must begin by looking first at the pastor. Not because they're more important, but because if a church is going to be the kind of church that God wants it to be, well, if the pastors of that church or those churches, if they don't have their act together, then none of the rest of it. How do you even progress with any of it? As I said a moment ago, people have different ideas about who the pastor is and what his role is in the church. But the truth is, the only opinion that really matters is God's. What does God have to say about pastors and the expectations he has for them? That's what we're going to explore today, and we're glad you've joined us. Now here's Pastor Clay. are not perfect. We certainly don't get it right all of the time. But in, in, in the providence of God, as we've worked our way through this, as we're building on the basics of, of hope, we've come to a section in 1 Peter where Peter has something to say to pastors. And, and we all need to hear it today because if you're sitting here thinking, well, pastors, well, that's not me. I don't even need to be here. First off, I would hope that you would just want to be here. Second, some of you in here, there are men in here who are pastors. And so there's a word for you. Third, am I on three? Third, C, (laughs) God is still calling men to enter the gospel ministry and serve as pastors. He still does that. I'm telling you, I, I I was just raising a family and being a postmaster when God called my name. It, it, do, it does still happen. And... F, pastor, not pastor, what, what, what Peter has to say here this morning should uh, speak to all of our hearts because you ought to know, you ought to know what the expectations from God are on your pastor or pastors. And if they are not meeting those, those expectations that God has for them, then you know specifically how you can pray for them and perhaps approach them and and challenge them if there's some area where they're, they're falling down and, and dropping the ball. So, here we go. Open your Bibles. First Peter, chapter 5. 
Last chapter, we will finish up First Peter. Lord willing, finish up First Peter next week. Move into Second Peter, building on the basics, the basic of hope. And Peter is explaining in different ways, but he's, put, he's putting this in front of us all the time, where our hope is found. First Peter, chapter five, verses one through four. Just just four verses this morning, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna dive into it. Listen, listen. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, uh, this text, uh, as even last week I was ready to present it, and, uh, and this week, uh, I keep thinking about uh, how, do we, how does this apply to every person? How do they understand this? But, uh, but it's your word. It's truth and a mixture of error. And it has application for our lives. It is, a, uh, it is an unbelievable thing to be called uh, to be a, a pastor. And I, I pray today just for your wisdom and your anointing upon me as your messenger boy to, to say to your people uh, something that they would grab a hold of uh, Maybe they are a pastor, maybe they're not a pastor, maybe they'll never be a pastor. But will you make application for us as the body of Christ and as uh, pastors what our role is and how we should conduct ourselves uh, for your honor and for your glory and for the people's good? And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Let me, let me share uh, some ideas with you that Peter is, is uh, saying to us and, uh, and, then, and then we'll talk, talk about it. We're going to start with this idea first this morning. A pastor takes his calling seriously. You may have noticed in uh, the very first word there of chapter 5, what is what? Therefore. Thank you. My wife is therefore, right? You see that? Your Bibles that are all open. Your phone, wherever you got it, what's, yeah, right, right, Ernie knows. What's the therefore, therefore, right? The therefore is there for <laughs> to, to take us, therefore. <laughs> the therefore is there in chapter 5, pointing back to something he said in chapter 4, right? I mean, that would be the idea, uh, da-da-da-da-da, therefore, da-da-da-da-da. So the therefore is there to take us back to something he said in chapter 4. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, you may remember in chapter 4 and verse 17, he said this, it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Were you here when we went over that text? It is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. In other words, if anybody is going to try and get it right, if anybody is going to try and be godly, if anybody is going to try and live their life in a way that honors God, it ought to be the people of God. The, the people of God have to, get, have to get their house in order before they start pointing fingers everywhere else, right? 
before, before you and I, and I know we, we're tempted to do this, but before you and I start looking around and, and talking about what a mess the world is, we better make sure that our own house is in order. Can I get an amen? He, he says it's time for judgment. Uh, you got to start that each one of us, the, the, and the household of God, you, you guys get that, right? The household of God is who? Us. The, those of us who have professed Christ as our Savior. We are the body. The household of God, the church, not a building. I know, I know, let's be, I still get people, when are y'all going to get a building? Pretty sure we've been meeting the building, but I know what they mean. You're not a church till you have a building. You are the church. The, the church has to, has to make sure that it's evaluating each of us individually who make up this body. We evaluate our own lives. We, we pass judgment, so to speak, on our lives. We say, Clay, what's going on? How are you? How did, why did you say that the way you said that to your wife? Clay, why, why did you not want to do that? Or, it's, it's, it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And so Peter sets that up and then moves into the logical first place to start. If you're going to look at the body of Christ, if you're going to look at the household of God, if you're going to look at the church, the, the most logical place to start is with the pastor or pastors of the church. Not because they're more important, but because if a church is going to, going to uh, operate biblically, if a church is going to try and follow biblical direction and be the kind of church that God wants it to be in the community, well, if the pastors of, of that church or those churches, if, if they don't have their act together, then, then, then none of the rest of it. How do you even progress with any of it? So it has to begin there. And Peter starts with this idea that, that you better approach this calling seriously. This is no joke. This is no mess around. This is no, that you approach your, your calling seriously. When, uh, when I was a little boy, uh, we would go up every summer. I'd go up to my grandparents' house in Cocoa, Florida. And I'd stay a couple of weeks with them up there. And... While we were there, my, my grandparents were very godly people and very active in their church. And uh, I don't remember everything, but I remember, uh, one of the things I remember is that their pastor, he was a shouter. Do y'all know what I mean? Y'all ever been to one of them? Y'all ever, ever had one of the kind of pastor? You ever been to one of the kind of churches? I mean, from the time he stepped up there and the first syllable that came out of his mouth till the last syllable came out of his mouth, he just shouted. He just shouted the whole time. It just shout. Just shout! Shouting! 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 <laughs> I just, anyway, that's, that's, what, that's, that's how we did it, you know? And so I don't remember this, but my mom claims that one Sunday I leaned over to her and whispered, who's he mad at? <laughs> a, a, pastor, a pastor doesn't have to shout all the time. A pastor doesn't have to act like he's mad at the world or, or mad at whoever. But he does have to take his calling seriously. What God has, has, has birthed in, hopefully in his heart is something that he has to recognize that this is a calling of God. And it cannot be treated casually or flippantly or, or anything else. And he, and he specifically moves into this, this, uh, these expectations on the, on the pastor, on what he is, he is called to do. Let me give you, it's going to sound like a, getting kind of techno here, but let me, Give it to you. He starts out and, and he begins to use these, these terms. And the first uh, term that he uses is presbyterus. 
in the Greek. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. Uh, and he uses the term presbyteros or presbyteros. It is translated as elder. Now, it can mean, uh, refer to age, an, an older person. But it also can mean, and in the context of what he's talking about, clearly seems to refer to spiritual maturity. Not, it wouldn't necessarily be age, although there may be some correlation there, but it has to do, that presbyteros has to do with spiritual maturity. So a pastor is called to be spiritually mature. If, you know, if, I mean, I'm in no hurry, but whenever, if, if I fall over dead tomorrow, um, don't, don't call a guy to be, your, uh, to be the lead pastor here who's been a believer for two weeks. There should be spiritual maturity. It's what he's, that ought to be in their life. Then he uses this, term poimenate, which means shepherd, or it's where we get the word pastor from. A pastor is, to, is, is compared to, this, to a shepherd, a sh- the sheep and shepherd analogy. He is called to pastor, to shepherd the flock. And I'll have more to say about that in a, in a few minutes. And then he uses the term episcopantes, Oversight. It literally is translated as oversight. It can be translated also as overseer or bishop. Y'all wondered where people got that, you know, bishop so-and-so. It actually is a biblical term. It is to oversee or to have oversight over. And so a pastor is to oversee, have oversight over, or to manage the flock, the body of Christ. Thanks for the Greek lesson, Clay. What's the point? The point is, all three terms, if, you, if you're looking at it there in your Bible, all three terms are used synonymously to describe the, the same person and the same office, the same expectations that are on his life. That a, that a man that has answered the call to, to pastor is to be spiritually mature. Jeez, I know this sounds like self-promotion today, but I just, he is to be spiritually mature. He is to, to care for watch over, protect the flock, and he is to have oversight. He is to manage, uh, or they are to manage the affairs, uh, the direction of the church. It is the calling that is on his life, and he has to take that calling seriously. There's no way around it. It's the call of God upon his life. Okay? Pastors take his calling seriously. Tyler, what I got next? Thanks. Um, he mentions uh, these areas that, that a shepherd is, this analogy of shepherd and sheep, and, and, and the three areas that, as I think about it, look at it, uh, I read a book a number of years ago, the, uh, the shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm, and it brings some of this out. The, the three uh, primary areas that a shepherd is responsible, uh, first, is protection. A shepherd, a pastor, is called to protect the flock, to protect them from from uh, false doctrine, to protect them from outside forces, to protect them even sometimes from themselves, if and, and when possible, is what he's called uh, to do. The Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 20, gives this warning to the pastors in the churches in Ephesus. He says, watch out for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's that word, episcopantes. The shepherd, there's that word, poimenete, pastor to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. You hear, you hear what he's saying? This, is, this isn't, this isn't playtime. He's saying, this is serious. God bought this. God bought this. 
I know that after I'm gone, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, even from among your own group. Men will arise, teaching perversions of the truth to draw the disciples away after them. Protection. It's part of the calling of a pastor to protect his people. It's not always possible because sometimes the sheep, to use that analogy, and I don't know if y'all know, know much about sheep, but sheep don't have a lot of defensive mechanisms. Uh, they might can lay down and play dead. I think that's about, about it. So the shepherd has this responsibility to protect his sheep. Sometimes the sheep wander off, and they, they do, they, they, and it, it's not possible, but a, but a pastor has to take the, seriously the responsibility to try and protect the sheep. I, I, I've told some of you, I think, this story before. A few years ago, uh, there was a, a, a family attending our, uh, this fellowship, and I was doing some counseling with the husband and wife who were having some struggles, and uh, the, the wife, in the course of the counseling, told me that, uh, that, when, her husband, that when her husband does stupid stuff, <laughs> when, her hus- she, when her husband does stupid stuff, when, when her husband does stuff that, that she doesn't agree with, and her do- husband does stuff that she doesn't like, she, this was, she said, it is impossible for me to love him. She said, it's impossible for me to love him. When she said that to me, and I, and I pointed out the commandment in Scripture that she is called to love Honor and respect her husband, period. It is a commandment of God. It is not an option. And it has nothing to do with whether the husband uh, is, is worthy of it or deserves it or anything else. If looks could kill, I would not be standing here today. And I knew it. I, I knew it. But it was true. When she got up and walked out of my office, that's the last time I ever saw her. I, I, think, I, I think I met with her husband one more time. I think he met with me one more time. And informed me that, that his wife uh, that his wife had just had decided that she would be uh, she'd be more comfortable in a in a megachurch down the road here in another she, she'd be more comfortable in a megachurch and uh, and I knew why I knew exactly why because she would be able to disappear into a seat without anybody knowing whether she was there or not there attending not attending serving not serving she'd be able to just sit down. Uh, disappear and not have to worry about anybody holding her accountable for her life and what, what, she's, what she's doing. And listen, I got nothing against megachurches, believe me. I, I, I want cross-culture to reach thousands, thousands. But the reality is the larger a church gets, the easier it becomes for somebody to just disappear, to just disappear into the background and not be held accountable. And, and, and a pastor has to take that seriously. I was... Uh, I was thinking about this recently, uh, through the years in counseling, I've had a number of people tell me that, that my counseling that I give to them oftentimes is different from counseling they've gotten from other counselors, even Christian counselors, and different from counseling that maybe family or, or friends have given them. My counseling is oftentimes different. And, and I, was, I got to thinking about that uh, recently, and I, and I think I know why that is. I think it's because whether you're talking about a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or, you know, a, a, a Christian counselor, or you're talking about a family member or a friend or anything like that, when, when a person offers you counsel, when you go to them, and, and when, when a person like that offers you counsel, they see their role as to make it better, to make you feel better. You, you know what I'm saying? A counselor, especially a counselor, has a counselor's heart, and man, they, they, they see you hurting, and, and they, just want, they just want to help you feel better. A pastor is not called to make you feel better. A pastor is called... To help you live godly. To help you live biblical. And it has to be a serious undertaking. Alright, here's a, here's a second idea uh, this morning. Provision uh, of these 
I'm called to provide the, the spiritual nutrients that you need for the spiritual life that you're called to lead. Now, obviously, there is personal accountability in that, personal responsibility, but, but it starts with the church. It starts with the pastor and the direction and the teaching that he, that he is to give to you. Again, the Apostle Paul, First uh, Timothy Second uh, Timothy, sorry, chapter 4. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. He's talking to Timothy and it'd be to pastors in general. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. You notice how he throws in? There's a judgment coming. He's throwing that in there. And by his appearing and his kingdom, will you read that next part with me, please? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. You know what I have discovered? Y'all don't mind it a bit when I exhort you. But y'all don't take the whole reproving and rebuking stuff very well. None of us do, right? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Why? Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, pastors, be sober in all things, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Part of my ministry, part of the pastors of this church, part of pastors in general, their, their calling is to make provision for you. Listen, I believe, I, I want to be a creative preacher. I want to think creatively. I want to think, you know, of good ways to communicate and want everything, you know, I want to do all that. I like using technology and all that stuff. That's great. That's fine. That's good. And I, and I really do believe it. But listen to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the Word of God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the Word of God. Like it, don't like it, that, that's, that's what I'm, because that's what I'm called to do. That's what I'm charged to do is to feed you the Word of God. And I realize it's just a few minutes in here on Sunday morning, but hopefully it, it sparks interest. Hopefully it teaches you something. Hopefully it gets you going, moving, convicting, uh, so that you want more and more and you're growing in this thing. You need, that's part of what, what, a, what a shepherd does for sheep. It's part of what a pastor does for, for the flock. And then third, uh, production. Uh, you, you, you are called to produce. Just the sheep are called to produce, right? I mean, maybe, maybe you've never been on a sheep farm or ranch or whatever, but sheep are called to produce. Produce wool and produce other sheep. Basically, that's their role, right? Again, there's personal responsibility. If for whatever reason a sheep is no longer, its wool is not being not coming whatever and it's not producing other sheep that's right lamb chops that 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 sheep is headed for lamb there's personal responsibility but the pastor has to recognize that part of his his calling is to help you produce in your life to produce in these areas is what i would say real quickly to produce the fruit of the spirit that's that's a calling on all of our lives that galatians chapter five that i harp on so much to anybody that will talk to me the fruit of the spirit capital s god producing this in you is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control that is what ought to be coming out of your life if you're a follower of jesus christ that is what should be coming out of your life and i say this all the time it's not about you being more patient it's about the spirit producing patience in you as you are surrendered to him and I can't I can't believe this I got to go on but if you're if you're thinking well I don't know do, do do I manifest the fruit of the spirit in my life I'm not sure if you're not sure and you're married ask your spouse or ask anybody that will get honest with you and just say listen 
when you look at that in Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, peace, would do you see my life when you see that? Get somebody that will honestly tell you that. But that's what should be produced out of your life. A pastor has a part in that, that he's, he's called to help uh, see that produced in your life. Uh, second, to produce good works. It's just, you know, it's, that's just what it is. You just, to produce good works. Works that, that are glorifying to God, works that are good for the kingdom of God. And, and a pastor has to help you by providing opportunities, by, by teaching you, by bringing you along. It's all, it's all part of it, okay? And then third, to produce new believers, as a body, we, sh- we should be reaching. As individuals, we should be reaching. We should be actively engaged in the mission of winning the world to Jesus Christ. We got to do it. We got to do it. Because n- nobody else is. I-, I mean, people outside of Christ aren't trying to win people to Christ. It's got to be us. And we should be producing new believers. It's a biblical call on our life. Man, so much to say about all of that, but I, I, ne- I need to move on. So, okay, real quickly, let's go to the, uh, we're on the second one. Uh, Tyler, go on past John and, and First Peter. Get, bring up, yeah, a pastor takes his call willingly. Secondly, a pastor takes his call willingly. In that latter part of verse 2, look what he, look what he says. But voluntarily, so not under compulsion. You're not, t- you're not taking this on, not under compulsion. No, you're not forced. But voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. A person... A man cannot be forced to be a pastor. Not, not really. Not really. It has to be a calling of God. And it has to be embraced willingly. And it better be the call of God, because I'm just, I'm, just I'm just telling you, if God has not called a, a man to pastor, he'd have to be an idiot to take it on. Truly, he'd have to be an idiot. Don't get me wrong, I love what I do. I love what I do. I love, I love seeing people get it. You know what I'm saying? I love seeing people begin to get it. I love investing in people's lives. I love seeing people begin to mature and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I love seeing marriages uh, take on the, the characteristics that Christ desired for, desired for them too. I, I love seeing all those things. I, I love it. I love what I do. There's nothing else I'd rather do. But it can be hurtful, painful, lonely, disappointing and exhausting exhausting but if it's the call you embrace the call it's what you're called to do and you willingly take that call on it's what it's what we do and just in case y'all think i'm going to gloss over it verse two there uh is not is not saying that a pastor uh shouldn't be paid for what he does pastor or pastors that he's not saying which is not for sordid gain he's not saying that you shouldn't uh Make a living if God has called you vocationally to be a pastor. We know that. And there are people that try to teach that. We know that it's not the case. Apostle Paul addressed it a couple different places. Uh, first in First uh, Corinthians 9, uh, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Paul says. And then again in 1 Timothy chapter 5, elders, pastors, as terms are used synonymous, and we saw that, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. Wait, wait a minute, let me get that. Wait a minute. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. That's, that was my shouting part, I know, I'm just kidding, just kidding. 
especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. So he's not saying that, that, it, that it's wrong for a pastor to be employed by a church. What he is saying is that you shouldn't do it for the money. If you're doing it for the money, <laughs> if you're doing it for the money, it's the wrong motivation. If you, it's, it's, that shouldn't be what it's for. No matter what you gain or lose, it has to be something you willingly embrace because you want to do it. Want to invest in people's lives. Want to see lives changed. Don Wilton is the pastor of, uh, I guess he still is, First Baptist Church, Spartanburg, South Carolina. I heard him speak one time, and Dr. Wilton uh, told this story about when he first came to First Baptist Church, Spartanburg, um, he was approached by a member of the church, said he'd like to ha- have a meeting with him and like to discuss something over lunch. And so uh, he hadn't been at the church very long. He'd been there a couple months. And uh, so he went to lunch with this gentleman. And the gentleman informed uh, Dr. Wilton that it had been his practice through the years as a member of First Baptist Spartanburg, South Carolina. It had been his practice to provide a brand new Lincoln Continental uh, every year uh, to the pastor of the church to, to, to give him a new Lincoln Continental every year. If any of you feel that burdened like that, God lays it on your heart, you know. And uh, so here, but here's what the guy says. He says, but, he says, there's one thing. He told Dr. Wilton, he says, there's one thing. He says, Dr. Wilton, since you've begun to pastor here, people of a different color than what we're used to have begun to attend this church. Here's what he said. He said, and that, that's got to stop. That's got to stop, he said. <laughs> I, I, could, I don't know, in my mind, I could almost see him just like jingling the Lincoln Continental key. Ching, 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 ching. That's got to stop. Dr. Wilton informed the man that, uh, that uh, First Baptist Church, Spartanburg, South Carolina, was going to be a colorblind church because God is a colorblind God in, in the sense that he doesn't, he doesn't care what a person's skin uh, color is. The man threatened, yeah, that's the shouting part, the man threatened <laughs> to withhold his tithe. By the way, Man, I'm running out of time. But by the way, can you imagine someday standing before God Almighty and explaining to him how you took his money and used it to gain your advantage? Anyway, the man did withhold his, his, his money. He eventually left the church. And God replaced that man a thousand times over and then some. Oh, by the way, do you know what you call uh, that when, when a person like that leaves your church? you know what you call that? Backdoor revival. That's what that is. Yeah, that's just God growing his kingdom by, by getting somebody out of the way. That Anyway, uh, so that's where it is. It's not, it's not for sordid gain. It has to be something that you want to do and you willingly embrace it. Okay? That's, that's why we do what we do. That's why, the, 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 that's why people answer the call to do something that is at times very, very difficult. All right, let me, let me go on. A pastor takes his calling humbly as well. I, I know I've got to hurry. Verse 3, look, look at what he says here now. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Not only that, not only lording it over them, but proving to be examples to the flock. What's he talking about? How does he prove to be an example of the flock? By humbling himself, by humbling themselves under the, under the lordship of Jesus Christ as the entire body should. Not lording it over... A pastor is called to oversee, but not overlord. This, this body that is cross-culture is led by some, some great pastors and staff members and, and, and elders of this church, but they are not the owners of this body. 
Christ is the owner of this body. He purchased it with his blood. And a a pastor that forgets that is is in trouble. He's in trouble. It's not not lording it over them, but it is to be this humble example, is what he says, to the flock. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to live. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to treat people. Now listen, it's tough at times because we are imperfect people. It's tough living in a glass house. But, but that's who we're called to be. And, and people need to see the example in front of you. That's why I think it's so destructive. I mean, it's, it's anytime. It's destructive anytime. But particularly when a pastor falls in some immorality, uh, some uh, uh, adulterous relationship or scounds with uh, church funds or, or whatever it is. It, that's why I think it's so damaging to the body of Christ. Because, man, uh, if anybody ought to be getting it right, it ought to be the spiritually mature guy that's supposed to be overseeing the church, right? So... Uh, it is it is to approach it humbly. I listen. I I went to a church one time, pulled in the church and uh, parked and and I, I went out and I wa- walked towards the building and and right at the front of the the entrance, right in front of the door, was a was a reserved parking space, and uh, the sign that said, "Parking for senior pastor only. Don't even think about parking here." I kid you not. That's what it said. Now, listen, I know, I'm sure I'm being a little judgmental here, but there's something incredibly arrogant about that sign to me. It just flies all over me. I just, is the pastor, or it's, it's okay for the people to have to walk in the rain, but not the pastor? It's okay for the, the people to have to walk a long ways in the hot of the summer, but, but not the pastor? I don't know. Like I said, I'm sure I'm being over overcritical here, but but we are to be examples of the flock. Listen, it, since my accident, I got uh, I got this temporary handicap uh, sticker, and and so I've been uh, parking in handicap spot right here. And I, I admit it's it's been helpful, but as soon as that uh, tag runs out, I'm going back to parking where I've always parked, and that is the farthest parking spot I can possibly find a way so that uh, so that you can find a closer parking spot. And listen, and, and listen, I, I don't I don't begrudge anybody that parks up front. All right. Parks in the handicap or the front parking spots. Don't begrudge that. Those of you that get here early uh, and, and you've earned those spots. I'm, not, not, I'm just saying as a pastor has to be an example. He has to humbly approach his, his role that he's called. They have to be this person that someone could look at and say, that, that, that's how I want to act. That's how I want to treat people. That's how I want to, whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? So this, this idea of, of humility. Okay, and then uh, where are we? Real quickly, uh, a pastor takes his calling expectantly. I'm flying through this, but we're wrapping it up. I want to get through this today. And when the chief shepherd appears, who's that? That's right. Pastors are under shepherds. The chief shepherd is going to appear. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It is not easy. It is is not always pleasant, but it is a calling for which God lays on a, on a man's heart that he has to respond to. And if he does, and if he does it well, he does it with the expectation that God knows his heart, that God knows his motives, why he does, that God uh, fully intends to reward those who faithfully serve him. Not, not just pastors, by the way, but in this particular instance, that's who he's referring to, that there's this expectation. By the way, the expectation goes the other way too. If that pastor has 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 not acted godly, if he's not treated people well, if he's tried to lord it over them, if he's, you know, done it for sordid gain, all of those things that Peter says 
that are wrong, then there should be an expectation that there's, there's a date coming with God Almighty. Hebrews, uh, I think Hebrews chapter 13, yeah. Obey your leaders. He's talking about the leaders of the church. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. You hear me, pastors? As those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. He's, he's saying this to the, to, the, to the body. He said, let your pastors do what they do. Man, make it so that they do it with joy. Uh, n- not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Nobody, nobody wins if a pastor just feels like he's being you know, trampled on or not respected or can't, can't get anybody to follow or anything else like that. There, there's this... There's this Unity that works when the body and when the, when the sheep and the shepherd are working together. Man, God is glorified and he can use that because love and joy is being produced in that body and people will take notice of it. I promise you, uh, years ago when I was in seminary, I did a revival at a church somewhere down in South Carolina. I don't remember where it was, but the pastor who was there, uh, it was an elderly gentleman. And he's just one of those guys, when you just meet him, you just know this guy, this guy walks with Jesus. You know, y'all met people like that? They're just, man, they're just humble. And, and, and I watched the guy. I was there all weekend. I was a young seminary student. I watched this guy. I watched him interact with, with his people and, and saw the look on their faces when they, when they approached him and they talked to him. And I saw him look them in the eye and I saw him uh, not only pretend to be interested, but actually be interested in their lives and ask them questions and, and, and invest in their lives. And, and those people loved that guy. I mean, they loved that guy. And, and, and when he said, Here, here's what you need to do, or here's the direction you need to go, they did it. They followed him. See, that's the expectation. That a shepherd acts, as Peter's described here, that he's that kind of man. And the expectation then on the body, on the sheep, is that they follow that shepherd. Uh, if you're new here, then you don't know me. But if you've been coming a while, I hope you know my heart. And I hope you'll understand what I'm about to say here. I love the, the, what is the body of Christ at Cross Culture Church. Love those that make up the body that is Cross Culture Church. I love serving alongside those who make up the body that is Cross Culture Church. But I am not ultimately accountable to those that make up the body that is Cross Culture Church. I am accountable. The pastors are accountable. Pastors of every church are accountable to God Almighty for what they will do, for what they don't do. But when it's done well, listen, there's nothing else I'd rather. There are bigger churches than us. There are fancier churches than us. But if, if, if we do this right, if the pastors of this church act the way Peter described, and if the, if the sheep of, the, of this body, this flock, if, they, if we follow that direction and we get involved and we say, yeah, I got to do this, because I, I it, it's, it's, it can be frustrating for everybody. But when, that, when those two things work together, we're going to reach people. We're going to reach people. We're going to see God's kingdom expand here, there, and everywhere. That's the way we say it here at Cross Culture Church. And I promise you this, I promise you this, and I think I could say this in regards to all the pastors, elders of this church and staff members, There's, I will never ask you to do anything that I won't be right there with you, right beside you, leading out, unless it's to go into a spider-infested house, then you're on your own. <laughs> but other than that, hey, listen, a few years ago, I was, in, I was with a team in Sri Lanka, and uh, they put us up in the church 
think third world country church. Concrete, bare walls, window openings, no, no glass or anything. And they, they put us in there. And there, were, there was the main body where, where most of us slept. And there, and there was a little room. And, uh, and some of the guys slept in there. Nate was one of the guys that slept in there. Nate, right? You slept in that, that room. And in that room was a, a spider. A giant spider. And he was there all week. We, we named him. What, what was that spider's name, Nate? Remember? Clyde? Was it Clyde? Clyde. He was huge. He, he was, and he, he, I think he went out during the day, but all, every night he'd be, he was right above Nate's bed. And he just would, <laughs> would stay there all night. And those of us that slept out in the church, listen, this was the truth. We, we would lay up, we'd lay and, and look up into the rafters and watch the rats running along the, the trusses uh, uh, up over our head. Just running right back and forth all night right over our heads. I will never ask you to do that. <laughs> you laughed too soon. I will never ask you to do that if I'm not willing to do it as well. I will never ask you to go anywhere that I'm not willing to go with you if I'm physically able to do it. I I won't ask you to change the world unless I'm willing to change it with you. We can can do it. It's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Now come back next week because he moves from the shepherd to the sheep. Well, as we've seen today, a pastor is neither an employee of the church or a CEO of the church. He is called of God and accountable to God for how he fulfills his calling. As Pastor Clay pointed out, it is a serious calling not to be taken lightly or treated frivolously. For a God-called man is not about money or power, but about humbly caring for the flock of God. It is a high and holy calling, and one that carries with it a significant amount of responsibility. If a pastor is leading as God instructs him to, and the flock is following their shepherd, they can expect to see God grow them spiritually and numerically for His glory and their good. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. I'm not the water. 
Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.